Hello, my friend, and welcome back to another guest episode of the Mind and My Wellness podcast. This is Danny, your host, and I'm very excited for this episode because I had the pleasure of listening to this guest do a talk at a conference that I was at a year ago, and I fell in love with her. I was like, she knows her stuff on hormones. And when I created the Mind of My Wellness podcast, she was one of the first people I thought of to have as a guest on this podcast, just because she's so knowledgeable. I also, immediately after listening to her, bought her book, The Women's Guide to Hormonal Harmony, which is an amazing read if you want to dive into all things hormones. I highly recommend. I will put a link down in the show description too, because if you are interested in the hormone side of things, it is definitely an amazing read. And with that, I am so excited to share this episode with Lacey Dunn. Lacey is a functional medicine dietitian specializing in physique enhancement, hormone imbalances, thyroid disorders, gut health, PCOS, adrenal dysfunction, and metabolic resistance through her online coaching platform called Uplift Fit Nutrition. She's also the host of Uplift Fit Nutrition Radio. Lacey's goal as a dietitian is to provide the tools that people need in order to achieve a healthy and balanced diet, while simultaneously helping them grow and thrive in all aspects of their life. Her best-selling book, The Women's Guide to Hormonal Harmony, gives women the knowledge, tools, and confidence to rebalance your hormones, master your metabolism, and become the boss of your own body, no matter if you've got a thyroid disorder, hormonal imbalance, or gut problems. She's also formulated and created a supplement company, Nourish Well Nutrition, that provides third-party tested evidence-based supplementation to help people achieve optimal wellness, balance their hormones, and feel their best. In today's episode, we are covering all things PCOS. We'll be diving into what the different types of PCOS are, what the symptoms of PCOS are, and ways to identify if you actually have PCOS. We'll talk through, is PCOS reversible? And what are some ways to manage PCOS symptoms naturally? When it comes to diet and nutrition, what are some of the best dietary practices that one can take to regulate their symptoms, some of our favorite non-toxic products, and so much more? If you've been diagnosed with PCOS or you think you might have PCOS, then you're definitely going to want to tune into this episode. Now let's jump right in. Welcome to the Mind and My Wellness podcast, your podcast for all things macros, movement, mindset, and everything in between. I'm your host, Danny Marenberg, an ex-yo-yo dieting cardio junkie turned sustainable nutrition coach who's helped over 1,000 women feel confident in their skin by learning how to eat for their goals without sacrificing a life well-lived. I created the Mind and My Wellness podcast to give you simple, effective, and manageable tips you can take away from each episode and implement in your daily life to look and feel like the best version of you. Each week, my guests and I teach you the secrets to mastering your health and owning your power. Nutrition, mindset, movement, and women's health are all topics you'll find here. Think of our time together as your productive little health break from the day. So grab your headphones, fill up your water, and let's dive into today's episode. 
Hi, Lacey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Yes, thank you so much. It's truly an honor to get to chat with you. So I'm very excited to have you on the podcast, and you have so much knowledge across so much information in terms of hormones, and I really want to focus on PCOS today because PCOS is such a big topic around my listeners, around my audience, around my clients, and you are just a wealth of knowledge in that area. So to kick it off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. I'm so excited to dive into PCOS too, because unfortunately, it's become trendy in a negative manner. (laughs) So we'll definitely dive into that. So just a little bit about me. If anybody wants to know more about me, of course, you can always, you know, go to my my own podcast, Root Cause Radio, dive into the what's and the whys and my backstory. But essentially, I am a functional medicine dietitian who is completely obsessed with anything and everything health, nutrition, thyroid, hormones, gut, cortisol, you name it. And I got into functional medicine after dealing with my own issues. So back when I was doing bodybuilding, doing my master's degree, doing my dietetic internship, I was basically running myself into the ground and did not realize it at the time, but I developed my own hypothyroidism. And lo and behold, of course, my doctor was not willing to pull any of the labs that I needed, was not willing to dive into the root causes of why my thyroid was the way that it was, just wanted to throw a medication at me that didn't even absorb well. And I had to treat myself. So I went through that world. And then after becoming a functional medicine dietitian past that, in a nutshell, I'm obsessed with what I do because I've been put through the ringer myself. And I want to bring people from going from a place of just simply surviving back to thriving. And that's my goal in life. When you were up against hypothyroidism, how were you able to identify on your own you know, you were having these conversations with your doctor. And I mean, I have a very similar experience where it was me advocating and advocating and advocating and doing my own due diligence to find practitioners that could help me. But how did you go about advocating for yourself there? And how are you able to really get to the root of it and really understand what that root was? Yeah. So that was the very beginning of my master's degree. And I wasn't a registered dietitian yet. So it couldn't necessarily like order my own blood labs. But what I found out was I was a reading of I was reading of Viva Rahm's Adrenal Thyroid Revolution. Incredible book. If you've never read it, holy crap, I freaking love that woman. Ooh, role model. But <laughs> I was looking at the symptoms and I just thought I was a tired student, right? And I was like, oh, my hair's just falling out because I'm stressed. Oh, I'm just gaining a little weight because I wanted to build muscle. But I didn't like think about those actually being symptoms that something was wrong. You know, sometimes you just you're getting through your day. You're just like, ah, I'm tired. I'm just a mom, right? I'm just going through school. I'm just going through it. And reading that book made me realize, because I was trying to read more in regards to my master's classes to just maximize my knowledge because I'm a nerd. I was like, something's wrong. And so my doctor said no to pulling free T3. He would only pull a total T4 and a TSH. And from my education, I was able to figure out that's not the full clinical picture. TSH is only a pituitary marker, not telling me how much active thyroid is really in my body. So I decided that I was going to go out and just order my own lab tests online. I used Ulta lab tests, pulled an entire thyroid panel. And then in deeper research, I was looking into the liver, the gut, the cortisol connection, nutrient status, how that impacts the thyroid, toxin bucket. And then I realized, okay, I got to dig deeper. So then I pulled my own tests, went to different websites, grabbed a naturopath after getting all that done, who could then prescribe me natural desiccated, which based on my research, was going to be better for me. 
other than what I was using at that time, T4 and then Cytomel he was giving me because nothing was working. I was not feeling good. My labs were not moving at all, even despite being on medication. So I was able to get all that done, learn a lot, and then heal my body. And I'm so beyond thankful. Yeah. I mean, you were your own use case there. <laughs> That's I was my first case. I was my first client. Yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a, an incredible story. I would love to dive right into PCOS. And first, what is PCOS? Yes, I freaking love this. So PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And basically, PCOS is an umbrella diagnosis, unfortunately, that is based off of three specific criteria. So it's the Rotterdam criteria. So if you have two of these three criteria, technically, you can be diagnosed with PCOS, which this is an issue. So first criteria, heritism, high testosterone or symptoms of heritism. And the symptoms of heritism are typically, you know, the facial hair, either oily skin, acne, you can have hair loss, especially androgenic hair loss, so around your scalp. And then sometimes you can also have other signs of insulin resistance, like skin tags or darkness under your armpits. So that heritism or high testosterone, that's first one. Second one is polycystic ovaries or, you know, follicles in your ovaries. And the issue with that is as women, we all have cysts because as our eggs grow, as our eggs mature, they start developing, those follicles start developing. And so any woman can go into, of course, get an ultrasound done and they can say, okay, you've got one of the criteria. And it's like, crap. And then the third criteria is irregular periods for, I think it's greater than six months or loss of your menstrual cycle. So those are three criteria. True PCOS, and this is my belief, plus a lot of belief of a lot of different you know, doctors, especially like Lair Bryden of Eva Rom, is that true PCOS is androgen-based PCOS. So there's different quote-unquote types of PCOS. And the reason these types of PCOS have developed is because the diagnosis, the umbrella diagnosis, is so broad and, and accurate. And we'll talk about those types of PCOS. But the key thing I want people to remember is just because you've been diagnosed with PCOS doesn't mean it's truly the real androgen-based PCOS. It could be something else. So let's talk about those different types of PCOS. And of course, the quote-unquote type of PCOS doesn't technically mean you have PCOS. It's just being you know labeled with that. So first one is androgen-based PCOS. That's the main PCOS that typically is because you have either high androgen levels or you have symptoms of high androgen levels. And the reason why it can be just symptoms too is because you can have normal testosterone levels in your blood, but you can have high what's called DHT, which is a derivative of that testosterone, which can manifest in those androgen-based symptoms. And then you can also have increased androgen sensitivity on a receptor-based level, unfortunately, which also can cause that. So that's the first type of PCOS. And then we have post-pill PCOS in which after taking birth control, you come off of it and you either have a surge in your testosterone levels or you completely go flat with your estrogen, your progesterone, or you have estrogen dominance. And basically with post-pill PCOS, it for most women, it just means they have irregular periods, painful periods, sometimes missed periods, skip periods, or they have those high testosterone symptoms. And that's because of that rebound effect of being on birth control. So those that do not know, birth control actually suppresses your own endogenous production of your hormones, especially testosterone. And when you come off of it, 
what typically happens is you have this rebound effect of your body trying to upregulate its own production. And many times when you have that post-PCOS, it's that huge rebound of your androgens. And then you have like your skin is screaming, you have the acne, your hair is falling out. But some women, they just simply go and they have nothing, no, whatsoever, no period for months after birth control. And sometimes that can be classified as PCOS, when in fact, it's just taking time for that brain, that HPA axis, the hypothalamic pituitary axis, brain communication to your ovaries, it's having trouble, right? So that's another type of PCOS. And then we have adrenal-based PCOS in which there is some shape or form of either high cortisol or low cortisol that's impacting your body's ability to communicate from the brain to your ovaries. And with that adrenal-based PCOS, typically people are most of the time stuck in fight or flight, go, 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 busy moms, or in my case, you know, doing a master's degree, doing bodybuilding. But with adrenal-based PCOS, that all stems from a cortisol issue. So- People can be diagnosed with PCOS and their testosterone levels might be normal, but because they may meet either one of those two criteria with PCOS, they fall under that umbrella diagnosis. And the key thing people need to remember with the, you know, the adrenal-based PCOS is that any adrenal problem is going to manifest in a hormone problem. Hormones are typically not the root cause. And PCOS being diagnosed with it, it is not your forever there's a root cause of why your body's going, well, let me create more, you know, grow your your follicles a lot more. Let me create the irregular periods. Let me have high testosterone levels. There's a root cause of that. So it's not your forever diagnosis. It's just the fire alarm in your body asking you to put out the fire or the fires. And then, of course, we have the last quote unquote type of PCOS, which is the inflammatory PCOS. This one's the hardest, honestly, because anything internally or externally potentially could cause inflammation. For example, say for the case for nutrition, right? If somebody has a high westernized, you know, high refined sugar diet, a lot of alcohol, that's inflammatory to the body. If they're sedentary, they don't work out, that's inflammatory to the body. If they work out too much, that could be inflammatory to the body. And then you have, of course, maybe that inflammation comes from a nutrient deficiency. Maybe it comes from a gut infection, poor liver detoxification, environmental toxins, heavy metals, mold. So there's a lot that that can happen with that inflammatory PCOS. That one's the hardest because there's so many like drops in that inflammatory bucket that can potentially cause it to overflow. But when I think PCOS, I look at those types of PCOS, I look at people's symptoms, and then we establish based on the labs too, do they really have true PCOS or is it one of the other quote unquote categories of types of PCOS from that umbrella diagnosis? I've seen you mentioned quite often, and I love that you mentioned this and I'm glad that you brought it up, is that hormones aren't the problem. There's like a deeper root. I know I see a lot of women who blame their hormones and say like, oh, well, you know, my hormones are off or I have a hormone issue that's leading me to weight loss resistance or something along those lines. And there's a deeper root to it. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. I want to go back to the androgen type of PCOS. What are some symptoms that can be disassociated from the other types of PCOS that really fall into androgen? Is it just those three that you mentioned as well? So with the androgen-based PCOS, I mean, that one's pretty easy to spot. You've got the oily skin, the acne, the facial hair, 
the hair loss, especially around the scalp and the temples, the skin tags or the darkness of the armpits. And then truly you can have, and this is another specific thing that you find on the ultrasound, you don't find the just growing cysts, you find large ovarian cysts to which they're like two to three centimeters in size versus the tiny little cysts that you'll see just as they grow and mature. So those are the specific symptoms that you find on androgen PCOS. And we can talk about why, you know, those cysts particularly occur, but those are the top symptoms. And then of course you can have high testosterone, either free testosterone or total testosterone, or I also see, of course, high DHT, which you can check in the urine via something like a Dutch test, which is a dried hormone test. Yeah. Can you touch on Dutch test? Because that's something that I've done and I get a lot of questions around Dutch testing. So what is a Dutch test and what can you possibly take a Dutch test to help inform yourself about? I love the Dutch. She's my jam. She's how I figured (laughs) out my own issues. But the Dutch is basically a dried urine hormone test. And there's two different ones. Um, There's actually a couple of different ones, but you can have the dried urine only, which has all your sex hormones, sex hormone metabolites, nutrition, organic acids, and your dried urine cortisol. Or you could do the Dutch Plus in which that has all of those plus a six-point saliva, which maximizes the Ability to look at what your total cortisol creation and metabolism looks like, which really greatly impacts, of course, thyroid hormones, sex hormones. So I don't like using it if somebody has really irregular periods because you're not going to be able to assess what your levels truly should look like around that five to seven day period. So if somebody has irregular periods, please don't spend your money on a Dutch. Spend it on doing total sex hormones. Then you can check your nutrients and your thyroid and then you could do a six-point cortisol. Don't spend it on a Dutch because it's those sex hormones are going to be inaccurate. And then your detoxification is going to be accurate. But I love the Dutch if you have normal periods or if you have no periods. It can still be very beneficial. Yeah, I did a Dutch when I had irregular periods. Well, to go back, I was first diagnosed with PCOS, misdiagnosed with PCOS. So this hits home. This hits home. This hits real. This really hits home. Post-pill PCOS. You know, I didn't have a cycle for eight months post uh, cessation of birth control. Yeah. And it was at the six month mark where I was like, okay, you know what? I should really go in, get this checked out. And that is where I was immediately diagnosed with PCOS. Nothing was really looked at other than I was, I did break out. So I was having some severe acne and then the menstrual cycle. Oh, that's so hard. Yeah. Because like acne is not always high testosterone. Acne can come from your gut or even like... It was my gut. Overexfoliation. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So it, again, that came to me doing my own self-advocation and seeking out other practitioners like yourself to help with identifying, oh, I had candida overgrowth. It wasn't necessarily PCOS that was causing this or as a result of. So... Yeah, this definitely hits home. And it also, you know, when I did do the Dutch test, I had had two cycles at the time, but very irregular. And looking back, knowing what I know now, you know, I wish that I had started more with the the gut test, the GI map that I did. I, I know you use GI map as well, correct? She's my best friend. <laughs> Yes, I love the GI map. And yeah, going back, I wish, you know, I had started there knowing what I know now. But yeah, I I think the Dutch test is so beneficial. But to your point, in terms of the Dutch, 
you don't want to go out and take a Dutch test by yourself. You definitely want somebody who's going to be able to interpret. You can't read it. No. (laughs) You definitely want someone who's going to be able to interpret that Dutch test. So what do you recommend for somebody listening who's like, oh, I... I'm interested in this Dutch test. Where do I start? Where do I go to learn more about this, to seek help, to have this interpreted and and get this done for myself? Yeah. So Dutch actually has so many free resources on their websites, interpretation guides. So if you're just curious and you love learning, you can always go on that. Um, I also offer like a Dutch test masterclass and have so many like Dutch cases with what things mean on my own Instagram. And a lot of that material and what things mean on the Dutch also is included in my book. But oh my gosh, their website is freaking phenomenal. You can always start there. And the key thing is if you want a Dutch, the criteria that I would say would be, you know, good for you to test is if you have any painful periods, bad PMS, or if you, it's been a while and you really don't have any periods at all, those would be the top situations in which I would get that done. And then if you have irregular periods, sometimes it might be beneficial for you to do a Dutch cycle map because that will actually tell you where your estrogen and your progesterone are moving at through your entire phase of your menstrual cycle. Or if you want to save money, you can do something like Anito or even Prove, which are now useful for urine to check and see what those levels look like on a day-to-day basis too. And those are cheap too. I hope you're loving today's episode. I wanted to quickly interrupt to share with you something that I only wish I knew years ago on my health journey that changed everything for me. I was the girl who had tried every diet under the sun, worked out seven days a week, yet was constantly left feeling disappointed that all my hard work and time wasn't paying off. Can you relate? If the answer is yes, then my free training, Three Steps to Transform Your Body with Macros, is just for you. In this training, I share the secrets to leveraging your metabolism to lose fat without restriction, eliminating the foods you love, or sacrificing a life well-lived. So if you're ready to say so long to yo-yo dieting and kick low-calorie diets to the curb, you're not going to want to miss this free training. Head on over to mindedmymacros.com forward slash free training to register today. Or you can head on over to my show notes to find the link. I hope to see you there. All right, now back to the episode. So going back to PCOS, is PCOS, for somebody who truly has, you know, androgenic PCOS, is that reversible? Yes. Now, I do want to mention, and this sucks, that some people genetically are gifted PCOS because of their mother. Unfortunately, if your mother had, you know, poor inflammatory diet, gut infections, toxic bucket, especially like any parabens, BPA exposures, anything like that, that predisposes you to developing PCOS. And PCOS is, I say, always treatable, but you have to find all of the root causes in order to bring that back down. And with PCOS, androgen-based PCOS, there's specific things that I see as the biggest triggers. First one, is insulin resistance, so an imbalance of your blood sugar. And sometimes that can be because you have a poor diet. You're not balancing your blood sugar. You have a lot of refined carbs and sugars, and you're not eating well. 
Other reasons that insulin resistance can occur, sometimes that can come from a systemic gut infection that causes that inflammation, drives that insulin resistance. Sometimes there's a toxic bucket overload. So it stems from maybe too much environmental toxins from, you know, toxic cookware or plastic exposure or what you clean with, what you cook with, or your makeup, your hair, or skin products. That can all drive insulin resistance via inflammation for people. Cortisol dysregulation, if you have too high or low cortisol, that also can manifest for some people in insulin resistance and chronic infections. So that's not just parasitic infections. That's also bacterial and viral infections that can drive that inflammation. But most of the time with androgen-based PCOS, I see it more, and I hate saying it, but I see it more just a crappy diet, not taking care of yourself, not exercising, not eating well or overstressing out. And many times by working on those things, by working on balancing your blood sugar, taking care of yourself, not going, being in fight or flight mode, not saying yes to everybody, working out, but not excessively working out. I see that in combination with a little bit of anti-androgenic herbs help to bring down androgens, have regular consistent periods and not have the polycystic ovaries. Okay. You mentioned insulin resistance, and I think this is, uh, I, I love this topic. I love talking about this topic. Can you tell us what does that actually mean? I think there's a lot of, I mean, I'm seeing it a lot on social media right now, and I, I do get messages being like, okay, I don't quite understand what insulin resistance actually is. So can you, in a very layman's term, break down what is insulin resistance? Yeah, I got you. So many different clinicians and practitioners and providers and people on the internet want to make it seem super fancy to make them sound themselves sound cool. It's easy to think about. So we want to be sensitive to insulin. That way, insulin, which is a hormone that allows glucose to come into the cells to be used, is present. But what can happen when you're resistant to the insulin is you can't use insulin to act like a key to allow glucose into the cell. So for you, listeners, you want glucose to come into the cell to be used for fuel and to then be oxidized and used and not stored as body fat. But if you can't and you're resistant to that insulin, that key to allow glucose to come in isn't there and it free floats in the blood and that develops the insulin resistance. And over time, your body keeps knocking, basically trying to get that key to open and insulin just keeps rising and rising and rising, trying to get that glucose in. And it can't get in. And that's when you start developing type 2 diabetes, atherosclerosis, the narrowing of the arteries, and PCOS. <laughs> and I think this is a contributor to, well, I don't think, but this is a contributor to weight loss resistance as well. A thousand percent. Which is a big topic amongst my community. Obviously, there are a lot of listeners here who are tuning in because they are trying to improve their health, some of that with weight loss. So this can ultimately come down to weight loss resistance too. When people with androgen-based PCOS, when they're having issues with their hormones, they a lot of people say, oh my gosh, I'm not losing weight because of my hormones. And I'm like, uh, the, uh, yeah, maybe, but you really you're not losing weight because of the root cause of your hormones being off, which yeah. is insulin resistance, inflammation, cortisol dysregulation, you name it. So- for somebody who has PCOS, what are some ways that they can naturally manage the symptoms of PCOS? That's a great question. So the first thing you got to figure out is what type, quote unquote, type of PCOS are you? Is it true androgen-based PCOS? Is it inflammatory? Is it adrenal? Is it post-pill PCOS? That's the first thing you got to figure out. So when somebody comes to me, the first thing that I look at is, okay, what are your symptoms? 
I want to pull labs. I want to see what do your sex hormones, your thyroid, your nutrient status, your CMP, your CBC, your thyroid, what does that all look like? And if you have any shape or form of potential signs of adrenal imbalance, and that can be like chronic fatigue, blood sugar dysregulation, trouble sleeping, energy crashes, joint pain, muscle aches, always getting sick. If you have symptoms like that, I'll be like, okay, let's do a four or six point cortisol. And then if you have any gut issues whatsoever or any per se, acne, skin issues, brain fog, anything like that, then I'm like, okay, we're going to start with the gut 100%. Most of the time, I hate saying it, but most of the time people that come to me, their hormone issues either stem from under-eating, over-exercising, overeating, insulin resistance, or the gut, as you know with your candida issues. <laughs> uh, no, far too well. But this actually segues into what are some diet and health recommendations that you have to support balance when you are experiencing PCOS. So obviously getting to the root of what is causing the hormonal imbalances, PCOS, but what are some things you mentioned, you know, diet and exercise, but not too much, not too, too little. What is a best practice? What are some recommendations that you have for really walking this line with PCOS? So diet really is huge. And of course, I'm a dietitian, so I'm going to say that. But I always like to say the first thing that you could do is follow an anti-inflammatory diet. Regardless of the PCOS type that you have, anybody and everybody should be following an anti-inflammatory diet. And when I say anti-inflammatory, I try and make it as easy as possible. We want to eat foods that are going to fight inflammation and they're going to have more nutrients than the processed packaged foods that have less nutrients. So quick examples, say we have proteins, right? Let's go for a lean ground beef or venison or chicken or turkey or eggs or egg whites versus having our processed sausages and bacon. Carbohydrates. Let's aim for complex carbohydrates that have more fiber in them, if at all possible. Sometimes it doesn't have a have to have a large amount of fiber, but more whole carbohydrates. And that's things like quinoa, rice, all of our fruits, our, all of our potatoes, our organic corn products, because non-organic is sprayed with pesticides a lot. And that's an endocrine disruptor. But we want to focus on those other options include oats, chickpeas, lentils, things like that. And then for fats, this one is really key for inflammation is we want to focus on fats that fight inflammation and have more omega-3s than the omega-6s. And it's not that omega-6s are a huge issue. It's you want a balance and a higher amount of omega-3s than you do in omega-6s. So with fat choices, then you want to focus on, okay, what are those oils that I cook with? Or what are those things that I put on my meals? And so things like avocado, nuts, seeds, olive oil, those are all good. And if you are choosing packaged foods, which are not necessarily always a bad thing, right? There are healthier packaged options. You're choosing those packaged foods that don't have those processed high vegetable oils, preservatives, artificial sweeteners, things like that can that can be inflammatory to your body. What are some examples of omega-3s versus omega-6s? Yeah, the omega-6s for the most part that I see are like corn oil, sorbine oil, grapeseed oil, anything like that, sunflower oil. And then the omega-3 rich ones would be like avocado, walnut, olive, sesame. Those would be all better options. It's really interesting because I bring on guests in different different realms of health, but almost every single guest has mentioned endocrine disruptors. 
And I think that it's so important because it's not just, you know, I, a couple of weeks ago I had on We Natal, they're a prenatal company and it impacts fertility. You know, endocrine disruptors can really impact fertility. Can you tell us what types of endocrine disruptors do you see most commonly amongst the women that you work with or your audience? I love this question. So unfortunately, endocrine disruptors are freaking everywhere. So I want people to know you can't run from them. And I do want to mention this just because I like to say what's on my mind. There is also a trend right now with people mother freaking being crazy, bad shit crazy, and trying to remove everything in their lives and stressing out about it and causing their hormonal issues about stressing about endocrine disruptors. So I don't want you guys to freak out and be nutso, but you want to focus on what can you avoid that is in your control, okay? So top things that are going to cause hormone issues are, of course, going to be one, poor water quality because we are basically human cucumbers. So Water, unfortunately, does have a lot of pharmaceuticals actually in it. It has a lot of heavy metals and chemicals in there. So having a good water filter that's actually truly going to filter out what's in your water is extremely important. So I do like the, the Environmental Working Group Tap Water Database to figure out what is in your water. But the best thing that you could do first is figure out, okay, how can I support myself with healthy water to get rid of those toxins and contaminants? Second thing, fragrances. They're freaking everywhere from our laundry detergent to our makeup products, to our skincare products, shampoos, conditioners, our candles. Those are big thyroid endocrine disruptors, thyroid sex hormone endocrine disruptors, and obesogens. So they literally can cause you to gain weight because their impact on your fat metabolism. And then, of course, we have the toxic chemicals that are also in our cleaning products big time. So anything and everything from our Clorox to what we're spraying to clean our kitchen counters, what we're putting on our skin technically too. And then we have, of course, what we're cooking with. So I see a lot of toxic aluminum pans, Teflon pans, using plastic containers, microwaving in plastic, all these things cause a lot of dysregulation, not only because it impacts your sex hormones, but it, because it also impacts your thyroid. It actually displaces your free thyroid T3 and replaces it. And it doesn't allow you to utilize that thyroid hormone per se. So I love this account. I think her environmental toxin nerd. I don't know if anybody's heard of her, but I love just throwing up people I absolutely adore. She's one of them. If you ever have questions on toxins, her account is loaded with things that you can avoid. And then Think Dirty and the Environmental Working Group, they are greenwashed. And greenwashed basically means they're trying to make something look a little bit more cleaner than it actually is. That's something to keep in mind. But those are great apps to use to figure out, okay, could this be a better option for me? What could I use that could be maybe better and less of an endocrine disrupting chemical? For example, if you're wanting to clean, Mrs. Myers is not actually the best in regards to cleaning your counters. I prefer something like a Branch Basics or a vinegar, just a normal vinegar, or Seventh Generation in regards to cleaning. So those apps and websites can be very helpful to figure out, is this a good swap or is this just greenwashed? But yes, endocrine disruptors are freaking everywhere. And one more thing that's very important that I firmly am a big believer in, this is just because I've also dealt with my own mold issues, is, what, is um, sorry, not water, air quality. Because obviously what we breathe in impacts our entire system, especially our lungs. So having a good air filter is extremely important, especially if you live in an apartment and you don't necessarily know what that history looks like, if there could be any mold or water damage or mildew, having a good high quality HEPA air filter is very important for your health. I love my air doctor. Oh, yes. She's my best friend. <laughs> I love it. 
And if anybody has like major questions, I do have an entire chapter on endocrine disruptors from hell, literally the title of the chapter in my book too, which outlines, okay, worst, better, best in regards to swaps that you can make. And just for your listeners, don't throw everything away all at once. I do want you to save money. So just figure out as you use your products, what can I throw away, right? What can I swap? What can I switch? Do it slowly. Don't overwhelm yourself, but take over what is in your control. Yeah. I say as you're finishing something, toss it and then swap it for, yeah, a branch basics. That's one I love too. I'm curious, what are some other, you already mentioned some, but some of your favorite non-toxic products, whether that's, you mentioned some home products, skincare, is there any brands or any specific products you're like, ooh, I love this one? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Perfume, Dime. Love Dime. Absolutely love them. They're fantastic. They do have some facial like skincare and all that. I haven't tried that, but those are good. Beauty Counter is great. They have a lot of skincare products, makeup, all that. I'm a big fan too of Clear Stem for skincare as well. So those are options. When it comes down to cleaning, I'm a a little cheapo. So I do like just using vinegar because that works on everything. But I also like seventh generation. Target actually has a really good non-toxic cleaner. Yeah, they have some great products. And then I'm also a big fan of Force of Nature for disinfectant versus like a Clorox or a Lysol. So much better. And then candle-wise, there's a lot of different non-toxic candles. Target has some good non-toxic candles. I think it's Freshy or Freshney that's pretty good. And then the key thing with candles is soy, if you can, soy or coconut oil wax, no parabens, no phthalates. And there's a lot of good brands nowadays. Yeah. I feel like I love my candles, Bath and Body Works. Oh, those are so bad. Oh my gosh. Both of those. So bad. Last thing I want to ask you is a little bit more specific. So anybody who doesn't already follow Lacey, I highly recommend you follow her. She is so strong. I love watching your Instagram stories and just learning a lot from you. And you really understand the whole cut, reverse, maintenance cycle of things. And so for somebody with PCOS. Let's say that they have PCOS and they're like, I really want to lose, you know, 15 pounds. And oftentimes what I see is they go into this restrictive eating pattern. What would you recommend for somebody who, you know, has PCOS and is looking to lose 15 pounds? Where do you recommend that they start and what they take into consideration as they move through their journey with weight loss? So the key thing is questioning, is your PCOS because you're insulin resistant or not? So if you're insulin resistant and you have high high hemoglobin C, high glucose, losing weight will be beneficial for you for your PCOS. In that case, I would recommend lowering your total carbs, focusing on balancing your blood sugar, which basically means spreading your food throughout the day, prioritizing protein and fats with your carbs always, choosing your complex carbs, high amounts of fiber. So in that case, if you have testosterone-based PCOS and you're insulin resistant, cut your carbs down. 150 grams would be a great range. 130 to 150 grams per day. Doing resistance training, maybe trying intermittent fasting. That's the first thing I would recommend. If you, and then of course, you can do things to help stabilize and help support blood sugar too, like ALA or berberine. Those are very helpful. But if your PCOS is maybe inflammatory or adrenal or post-pill, you might not need to be losing weight yet. You might have an underlying issue that needs to be resolved 
prior to trying weight loss. So my suggestion would be if you want to lose weight and you're having issues or you've been diagnosed with quote unquote PCOS, dig deeper, find out the root causes of that PCOS, see where your hormones are sitting at, your cortisol, find the root causes because if you want to lose weight and it's not ready, it's like your body's not ready to lose weight just yet, you're going to cause worsen hormonal issues and may even make yourself gain weight. For example, post-pill PCOS, which, which you had, right? You went six months not having a cycle. Say you didn't really have androgen-based PCOS, but you thought, hey, I have this you know, acne issue. I want to lose weight. And you put yourself on a low-carb diet when in fact you had candida and maybe your estrogen level was lower. That could shoot you in the foot. You could worsen your hormonal status and actually make yourself gain even more weight. So I like to say, you've got to be careful. The first thing that I suggest if you're diagnosed with PCOS is stick to maintenance, figure out the root causes of your PCOS, and then take it from there because you don't want to try and lose weight if there's active inflammation going on for you, unless the inflammation is only because of insulin resistance. So takeaway for anybody listening who has been quote-unquote diagnosed with PCOS, if you don't know which PCOS you've been diagnosed with, I we recommend that you identify the type of PCOS. Yes. And then put together a plan from there. Yes. And focus on all the internal sim, uh, systems of the body and questioning, okay, what are these potential things that could be better? So liver, kidney, gut, adrenals, sex hormones, brain. And if anybody ever has like questions on, okay, what are symptoms that can match up with certain disorders? I have a sticky on my Instagram that matches up high cortisol, low cortisol, low testosterone, high testosterone, low estrogen, high estrogen, really easy resource. And that is free. So you can grab and go on that and then get your blood labs done. And you can kind of figure out where could I be in my type of PCOS. Yeah, you are just a wealth of knowledge. And I know we've talked about it, but your book, I absolutely loved. Again, I'm going to link it in the show oh, notes. Thank but you. anybody who wants to dive in deeper to this, and this is a thick book, you have like everything in there. Yeah. So highly recommend anyone who is like, oh, tell me more. I need to know more. Please go check out her book because I can't recommend it enough. But Lacey, it was so great having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge. I feel like I could talk to you forever about literally everything in this book. I know. You mentioned nutrition. And I was like, oh my God, I can keep going and going and going. Yeah, I know. But thank you so much for joining us and sharing all of your knowledge. And it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Oh, of course. Thank you so much again. And your kind words, they mean the absolute world to me. So thank you so much. It was such an honor to get to be on your podcast and chat with you. Of course. And before we go, where can my listeners find you? Yes. So you can find me at Faith and Fit on Instagram. I also have a podcast, Root Cause Radio. And then if you want to find me on YouTube, there's a little bit of there. That would be Lacey Dunn. Amazing. Thanks so much, Lacey. Thank you so much. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I love hearing from you. So shoot me a DM over on Instagram at mind and my macros to keep the convo going. If you've learned anything from this episode or any of my past episodes, I'd really love it. If you took a few seconds to leave a quick rating and review on Apple podcasts or Spotify. I love hearing what you've learned or what you've taken away from any of these episodes. It means so much to me when you do that. 
And if you have any friends you know that need a little help kicking some old dieting mentalities to the curb and want some simple, effective, and sustainable tips to feel their best, share a link to this episode with them. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time.